Welcome to Get in the Herd, a podcast about addiction and recovery brought to you by the McShin Foundation. If you or a loved one are looking for real discussions about addiction, recovery, stigma, advocacy, and most importantly, hope, then stick around. Thanks for joining us. Now sit back and get ready for another great episode of Get in the Herd. Hello, folks. Welcome to the McShin Getting the Herd podcast. We are live today from McShin Foundation here in Richmond, Virginia. I'm John Shenholzer, president and co-founder of McShin, also a person in long-term recovery from substance use disorders for over 39 years. And I'm also your host today. We got a really big show today. I got Kenyatta and James with me. And they both came through our RSW, which is Rappahannock Shenandoah. Warrington uh, Regional Jail Program. McShin's been facilitating now for about three years, funded by a SAMHSA grant. And I think we've done a marvelous job out up there. It's got great results. And uh, we've got a couple gentlemen here we're going to feature on the show today. And I'm going to let them introduce themselves. And I'll start with James because he's closer to me. My name is James Funkhauser. I'm a person in, uh, in recovery from substance use disorder. What that means to me is I've... Uh, James, you got to look no. happy, man. So I am. T- I'm tired, man. man. Work, you all worked me to death last year. Oh, don't give me that, man. But uh, what that means to me is I've been, have not found the need to put any substances on my body for the last 28 and a half months. Oh, that's a good time right there. You've been yeah. at URSW 28 months? I was at RSW for 26 months. So you were there the whole time uh, when all, we did our program. All but like the first four or five months. Then you got up in there. We're going to talk more about that. All right, Kenyatta, you're up, big daddy. Hey, Kenyatta. In long-term recovery, and uh, I've been in the program since it started, uh, RSW Regional Jail. And, and here you are, McShin. Yes. You got got the whole different bed and kitchen and everything. <laughs> nice kitchen, ain't it? Yes, it is. You daggone right, man. Yes, it is. So uh, just briefly, how, how old are you? When did your addiction start, James? I am 46, and I would say my addiction probably started in – 15, 16 with alcohol, and then just progressed from there. When you were a teenager, yep. did you smoke first, or did you go straight down? I actually did not smoke a cigarette until I was 32 years old. Ooh, well, it's never too late to get bad habits, is it? Yeah. Well, don't smoke crack. The, uh, <laughs> how old were you, Kenyatta, when you started? Uh, about 13 or 14. There you go. Uh, drank first. No cigarettes? No cigarettes till I got later. You got that later? Yes. Oh, boy. And then what happened? You, how was you drinking, man? It was just taking a beer or two out the refrigerator from my mom. and. So how old are you now? 47. Good Lord, man. You boys are getting old. <laughs> Good time to get recovery, though, ain't it? Yes. Perfect you, time. Your dad going right. So when did you first notice you was getting in trouble, that, that you might have a problem? Uh, the first time I noticed I was getting in trouble is when uh, – me and a couple of my friends stole 52 cases of Milwaukee's best light out of a warehouse. You were thinking big that day. Yeah. That was well, a well, well, how long did it take you to drink them or did you get caught? Uh, We had three parties before we got caught. Wow, man. Y'all were thinking people. How old were you? 17. That's a good age to steal 50-something cases of beer and have three parties before getting caught. Yeah, before I turned 18. They just gave me community service. Uh-oh. Did somebody snitch on you? How'd you get caught? Uh, probably from throwing the three parties. 
Yeah, they, they yeah. talk. Kids talk. They people, run their mouth. People talk. My brother threw a keg party one time when my parents were out of town. And these were back in the day when they would clear out all the furniture in the house and put drop cloths down. These were really wild keg parties. My parents came back, and the next weekend they're at the school play. And, and they're listening to two kids in, in front of them talk about, wasn't that a hell of a party at Shen's house last week, man? That, that's how you got busted, man. Kids talk. So, Kenyatta, when, when did you first notice you was getting in trouble? Uh, probably when the police stopped us on the corner and we were smoking reefer. Mm. Yeah. It's not smart to smoke reefer in front of a policeman, especially on the corner when it's against the law. Yeah, that's, that's how I was, you know. But, uh, one of the polices was hiding behind the bushes and said they spotted us smoking something. Mm, mm, so, mm. Good police work there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, buddy. They called us over there and uh how old were you? Probably about sixteen. What happened to you? I probably got the ass whooping of my life from my uh -oh, mom uh -oh. and my granddad. What about the court? What'd they do? They let us go because of Underage. Our parents, yeah, underage and our parents. All right. It's, when when did y'all start getting convictions when you was in trouble? How, what age, James? Um, not sure the exact age I was, but I was in my early twenties, and I got my first distribution charge. It actually stemmed from something that happened when I was younger. That they came back and got me later, and uh, I, they gave me first time offenders plea, and I was able to do the probation and get off without a charge then. And the reason they went to light on me is I had joined the National Guard and had been- So you're an Army soldier. I am. Hot damn, how long you, you served? 13 years. That's a long time, man. What kind of ranks you get? I was an E-7. That's big time. That's a gunner soldier in the Marine Corps. Yeah. I lost one rank because I got uh, other than honorable discharge due to my addiction, uh, failed a urine test and Kind of felt like I screwed everything up, so I didn't go back, and then was dishonorable or other than honorably discharged. Wow. That. I'm sorry to hear that. How long active duty were you on? Um, probably three or four years total. That's good Most time. Yeah. Did you ever deploy? I did, but we didn't end up going anywhere. We sat at Fort Bragg for a long time, waiting to go, and then that make you want to drink. <laughs> I did a lot of drinking. <laughs> Anytime they got you waiting and you need a beer, you gonna drink it. You know, that was probably uh, all that sitting and waiting and not knowing what you were going to do. I got real heavy into drinking and a lot of other bad things. I was married at the time and I screwed my marriage up at that time. You know, I got in my head like I was going to die. So I might as well enjoy do this and do enjoy that. Enjoy death. I don't see that. Well, no, I figured I might as well enjoy life the best I can before I go over there. Mm. And, uh, what I did was really screw up a lot of things. Yeah, it happens a lot. Kenyatta, when the last time you got in real trouble? Or the first time? Oh, probably when I was like 19 or 20 years old. What distribution happened? of cocaine. Wow. You got the like drug dealers, man. Yeah. Don't you know that's against the law? Yeah. That's bad. Took me a long time to find F out. Figure that yeah, out. But I figured it out, man. So what, what's your criminal record look like now, if I were to look you up? Mine is not good. It, um... Uh, in 06, I caught more distribution charges. What were you selling? Methamphetamines. Holy smoke. That's, a, that's that mountain, that hillbilly heroin yeah. up in the mountains, man. Yep. You know, were you the guy that was throwing batteries in the creek in the river? No, never did any I of that. I mean, why would you hurt fish, man? It yeah, just I don't never make did. sense. No, I never did any of that.
So you're you're a distributor. I was. I was really a user that was selling to support. Support you have. I, I hear that story a lot. What about you, Kenya? When what's your record look like? It's terrible. Terrible. Yeah. Sixteen years in the feds. You went to prison for sixteen years. Yes, sir. So you're like in this is like heaven. You being up here in McShane, man. Oh yeah, this is terrific. I was wondering why you you were so easy going and why you was always happy. And <laughs> of course, you do have an unusual sense of humor <laughs> from time to time. I mean, he got a poker face. Yeah, he'll look at you, and I know he's laughing behind that face. He'll keep, man. He ain't fooling me none. Yeah. So you did how many years did you do all together, Kenyatta? Out of my whole life, probably about twenty-four years. And how old are you? 47. So half your life has been incarcerated. Yes. So you're like institutionalized. No, I'm not going to say institutionalized, but. You got a little pep in your step yeah. around. I noticed you trying hard. Yeah. You're looking for quality things to do. Yeah. You kept wanting to go to lunch to me. And today I was going to take you to lunch and you didn't go, man. I got to ask the boss, man. I mean, you know, the boss got a boss. Yeah. When the, when the, <laughs> when the boss is boss, I ask you, to, you know, you want to go to lunch. I got responsibilities. Um, you do. know what? I'm glad to hear that, man. Chain of command, very important around yeah. here. Speaking of lunch, you still owe me lunch for sitting a tent up in the rain. You're right. I do. We'll go tomorrow, man. You know, just when I come up in here tomorrow, track me down, say you owe me. Hey, but didn't I bring a pizza or something over? No, I don't know. I, I, did I worked the next day, too. I did something for y'all, so it wasn't like a total wash. We did something that made up for it. I know we did. Oh, I didn't get nothing. I was sick, actually, after that. See, you missed it. You were sick. Yeah, yep. That's what happens when you get sick, man. We don't get sick in the Marine Corps. Oh, it's just the Army. It's the Army. Sick. That's okay. right. <laughs> you get sick days in the Army. The damnest thing I've ever seen, man. I didn't get no sick days in the Army. Uh, don't start that now. So, all right. So, you end up in RSW, both of you. Yep. And we had a program coming up there. And Kenyatta, you jumped in there from the beginning, right? Yes, sir. So you got to see when we fired it up, and it was really cool, and mm -hmm. a lot of people getting help. And what was that like? It was wonderful, man. It was wonderful. It's kind of cool, wasn't yes. it? Yes. A little different than most, most different experience you ever had while incarcerated. Yes. yes. Now, just think if you would had access to that program earlier in your career. Do you think it would have made a difference? Yes. Definitely. Yes, it would have. James, for you too? Definitely. So when did, when did people start? Did y'all have been to treatment before rehab? Never. I did a treatment in the feds called uh, hey, RDAP. RDAP. Petersburg. Okay. How was that? It was. Wasn't much to it, or yeah, it was. It wasn't peer to peer. It was like some college college lady trying to teach a course. Yeah, but were you glad to be in it? Did you, you know? Did you do your part? Yes, yes, yes. You did. Yeah. So you went there. Did you ever go anywhere else? No. At the only time. Yes. And then when you got out, what did they offer you? Nothing. Nothing. So you're a good byproduct. You're a good reason why that RSW program is so effective. Yes. Because you both of you, you got to go to a jail program, get connected to recovering people. The engagement happened in, in while you were locked up, and then we had good reentry for you. Mm -hmm. And how how's the reentry been since y'all been oh, here? Oh man, it's been wonderful. Man. Yeah, it's been great. What, what's what do you like best about the process? James, we'll go with you first. For me, it's been the setting up a foundation of uh, people that are like minded and are chasing the same things that I'm chasing. So we reach y'all in in jail. Mm -hmm. We we brought in that connection to recovery. We give you the hope shot. We give you the vision of what your life can be back should you be like, should you chase your recovery. 
it helps you lose the obsession to use by having a new way to live. I mean, see how that all worked out? Absolutely. Yes. Kenyatta, what do you like best about the whole thing and man, coming up in here? And the network, man. This is a wonderful network down here, man. I see you made a lot of friends. Yes, yes, yes. All male friends. Yes. Good for you, man. Staying out of trouble. Yeah. Does it get tempting? No. No, you got no temptation. No. You're, you're good to go. Yeah. I'm... You like it. Yes. Wish you'd have had it sooner. Yeah. What about you, James? Any temptations since you've been here? I mean, I'm not going to sit here and say that the women aren't tempting, but that has not been where my focus is. Well, it is. could have been, you know, yep, the, but, the fast food restaurants. But none of that. You know what I mean? I'm not. I've been trying to uh, focus on staying here close to the church and work on my goals. I actually, I don't know if you know Krista Shiflett that works at the jail at RSW. Um, does the anger management stuff. She's already offered me a job as a peer-to-peer -peer specialist. As long as really? Get, Good for you. As long as I get the, so that's why I'm staying here to try to get the certification, get, get my volunteer hours, you know. And that, Did you do the training yet? The 40, the seven, 60 hours, 72 um, hour? Jesse said it's in the first week or two of September. All right, so you're going to do the big state training. Yes, sir. Good for you, man. See, we're, we're creating capacity, you know, yes. workforce development. We're training peers. You know, I think some of the best peers in Virginia come out of McShen. You know, they come up in here, they can see what that recovery looks like over here. And then they get all the little, I mean, we do a lot of training here. Absolutely. I mean, we got more training than any, any RCO in Virginia. I'm sure of that. Mm -hmm. And then you do your certification and you can get your hours in down here. And then that's why that, that lady already offered you a job or that guy, yep. whoever he is Schiffler. up there. Krista Schiffler. That's what you ought to do. Uh, Kenyatta. Yes. Have you looked into that? Not yet. Not yet. I'm just. That might be a good, good career path for you. Yeah. Yeah. You got okay. a lot to offer. Yeah. I'm trying to get the uh, certification for the peer to peer. Uh, How y'all like the houses we got here? Houses oh, are great. Great. Yeah. Well, tell me what you like about them. You know, the, the Scott house, I was only there a week, week and a, maybe before they moved me out. But I like the, you know, the bond you make with the guys, you know, that unity. That you have then i moved over to lakeside you know and that's been just like a family atmosphere Everybody, house no, i'm at lakeside what's lakeside tell them no across the street rob's house rob oh it's, uh oh the reason west lake west lake oh yeah the great yeah, yeah. i'm over there i said the thing we ain't got lakeside well, got, it's on, <laughs> isn't it on lakeside or not nah, uh, lake west lake all right oh, west the reset house yeah they moved uh me and kenyatta over there to kind of work under rob and then moving to being house leaders you know and that's been a unique experience you know ran the house while rob was out of town you know it's been nice the houses are nice like i said i really like the unity and the family it kind of comes like a family atmosphere. how, how y'all like the staff over here staff's great great you really yeah are you sure absolutely positive how y'all like the groups we do they're fun ain't they yeah the groups are good and who's got some of the funner groups well, yours are definitely funny. <laughs> there you go, man. There you go. I was, I was fishing for compliments. There. You know, but you make you make you take humor and, and also instruct and give. Well, you, I'm you a know, reality guy. Yeah, you know, definitely. I don't sugarcoat stuff. I, it's all about reality. You know, mm -hmm. this, this is where we're at. This is what happened. This is where we need to go. This is how you get there. And don't sleep during my group. No, yeah. I don't sleep during none of them. Yeah, no, you. you I can go to sleep right now. I'm more out. Oh, I'm tired too, man. But, yeah. But, but I, I'm more out probably from just getting old. You ain't old. I know. I don't feel that old. How old are you? 47, you said? Yes. Wait till you get to be like 67. You'll, you'll see. <laughs> but I ain't quite there yet. 
So we got some people listening. And remember, this these 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 uh podcasts gonna go to jail and prison. I've yes, watched sir. every one of them that you have sent up until July. Really? Absolutely. Did, were they useful to you? Did you they like were them? useful. Yeah, they were real useful when COVID hit and we didn't we weren't able to have in person the, the in-person programs. So these these podcasts, you know, kind of got me through. Uh, like I, I don't know Johnny Fab, but this is his name. Of oh, there. Johnny Fab the bomb, yeah, man. He's I, he, awesome he's dude, done, man. I've seen a couple of his podcasts he did on there. Yeah, he's real knowledgeable. Yeah. He has a lot of good information. Michelle, it is an awesome program. We need him in every jail and prison in America. They should offer a recovery program to to the inmates, and and if they do the program and do a good job, they should actually give them time off for good behavior, incentivize them. And then they should also have reentry services like we got here at McShane. That's the way the system needs to look, Michelle. And that's where we hope hope to get one day. So glad you noticed that. So you, let's say you're talking to the guys locked up that are hearing these podcasts that don't have a program. I'll start with you, Kenyatta. What would you like to tell them first? Man, you got to sign up, man, and get this awesome experience, man. This is well, let's say they're in a jail or prison and they don't have a program. Uh, what kind of hope shot can you give uh, them? Got to get a an NA book and do do some literature work. Twelve step book. Try 12, to get a book. Yeah. You like the twelve step path. Yes. You like that abstinence based, stay clean, get spiritual, enjoy yes, life. Sir. Yes, sir. What a concept, man. You got to do the step work, man. But you did twenty something years locked up. Yeah. I mean, these guys are doing lots of years. What do you tell them? You're in there for years, but one day you're going to get out. Yeah. Keep keep your head up and and, and get into your literature, man. Literature. You got to read your literature, man. You can, you can, you can be locked down and locked around, but they mm-hmm. can't lock your brain up. Nope. Educate yourself. Smart recovery. Uh, uh, twelve step base. You know, what I mean, you got to get into your program, man. Now, how hard would y'all both did time? You know, you look at the difference between doing time with no program, and doing time with the program. You got to, you got to surround yourself with great people, man. You got to get, get with, the, get with a good herd of men, man. You don't need no program in the jail. You you can you can do it all with, with, with three or four guys, man. I've always told guys locked up. I said, look, find your people in your pod or your tier or your or your your house, wherever you're at, in while you're locked up, find like-minded people and create your own program right there in the environment you're in. You know, because because one may not come your way, but you can damn sure create your own. And they're allowed to do that. And so I kind of share on that a little bit. Like halfway through, I had two years to do at middle or RSW. And then I had six months I had to do for Rockingham County. So I got transferred out of RSW for six months to Middle River in, in between the other year. You know, there was no program in Middle River Regional Jail where I went, which I was scared. Can y'all tell you I was scared to death because I had gotten so used to the program. The program was working for me. You know, and I knew I was kind of going into a place that didn't have any of that stuff. And then COVID hit, so they really had no programs. You were locked down, locked down. Yeah, but what I did, you know, I took my books with me from the program. And I stayed to myself at first. And and when people, you know, there was a lot of, there was a lot of drugs and everything in that jail. that I was able to stay away from. And people started noticing that I was doing something different. And like you said about like-minded people, even though you're incarcerated, there's still people that are, they don't want to live that life anymore. They may be afraid to acknowledge that when they're in jail, you know, because of the stigma that kind of everybody's supposed to oh, be Oh, you got, you. if you, if you're working a spiritual program locked up, 
that's a sign of weakness for the rest of the it, it can be but you know but what i found is it really became a sign of strength and people were drawn to me and i started working with guys through the na program doing the na book 12 steps while i was there for that six months and then i also came back to rsw after that six months and of course COVID had hit and they were all you all were shut down there was nothing so i carried on the groups myself we seven to ten hours a week which maybe doesn't sound like a lot but when you're incarcerated to get people to sit and try to do the right thing for seven to ten hours a week you know miss diane helped me she uh would see me buy the video thing there to jail and give me a you know literature and we, stuff. we did everything they would let us do or could yeah do. she would send yeah. me stuff in so that i could lead groups into jail while you good all for you while good you for were. her and i made it my purpose to, to carry on the program while you all weren't there and i spent a lot of time doing that and working with guys y'all got children or families or i have two children and a son and a daughter and then a granddaughter that i've yet to meet due to my incarceration i got you well what about you kenyatta i don't have any children but Family you got family. They glad you in recovery. Yes, I have one of my little cousins down here with me right now. In recovery. Yes. That's one of your cousins. Yeah. So you showed up now. The family showing up. Yeah. You gotta show me your cousin when we get back down there. You talked to him yesterday. <laughs> I know, but I need to. I need to put you two side by side. <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't want to leave no stone unturned. You know. Yes. I'll give him some special attention. <laughs> but that's probably why he runs from me when I come up in here. Man. I don't know why people would run from me. I tend to run towards you. Yeah, at least you do. say hi. You're a hell of a dude, man. I know that. You can't out of come to me, too, man. Absolutely. Both you guys do. I'm going to stop you every chance I get. I got to pick your mind. Yeah. I mean, you guys, you guys realize you got to run with the winners, you know, yeah. hang with like-minded people. You know, that's how I can tell who's doing good around here. They, they want what I got and, and got the courage to ask me for it. You know, that's a good hit right there. But if they – if they ain't chasing their recovery, they're waiting to relapse. Yeah. You know what I mean? Watch the ones that relapse. Watch what they do to, or don't do that we do. Every time I see that truck pulling the parking lot, I'm right there. So give me some more hope shots, man. We got guys inside going to be listening to us, you know. And You know, my biggest hope shot is by doing the program or even doing the program when the program wasn't there, you know, all that stuff that I was depressed about when I first got to jail, like, the hurting of my mother, my daughter, you know, my son, my, my sister, my niece. You were just beating yourself. Up. I was full I was, of shame and guilt. Full of shame and guilt. And through working the program and a you know practicing spiritual principles, all that stuff I was beating myself up about it is over a time, not all at once, has taken care of itself. You know, and, and I have a beautiful relationship with my daughter today. Still working on the relationship with my son. You know, with my mother, but my sisters. My I got a bunch of sisters, but. My kid sister has come back into my life. You know, when I went home for two days after getting out, you know, my, my other sisters came by to see me. These are all things that I, I felt like I had lost or didn't deserve due to my actions, you know, over the years. But through doing the next right thing, they've all come back in my life and I've been able to heal those relationships. And a lot of that shame and guilt has been lifted. Well, I tell you, recovery is a day at a time. So if you can remember just for the day, absolutely, I'm, I'm going to focus on my recovery and, and the family dynamics will improve. It'll even mm. get better. Yes. What's an, what's another hope shot, Kenyatta, for the Man. fellas locked up that gonna hear this, or the females? Man, get 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 close to your mom and your dad, man, because you don't never know when they're gonna leave, man. If you can. Yeah. Your parents alive? No. They both died while I was incarcerated. Well, that must I, have been hurtful. 
I never attend none of my parents' funerals, even my grandma and my granddad. So you really, really got to get in tune with your parents, man. Because that's all you got. Yeah. When they gone, you going to miss them. Yeah. Well, you know what? I'm sure they're looking down on you and very proud of your oh, recovery yeah. right now. Yeah. Well, just remember that. You know, you, you know, you got out of the hell of addiction. Now you're on earth like the rest of us, you know, yeah. doing life on life's terms and a daily basis. And that's wonderful. Yeah. So what are some other cool things you get around here? Man. You get so much cool <laughs> things, man. Right. It's, 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 it's unreal, man. This, if you're doing the right thing down here, it, it's going to come. If you do the right thing. If you're doing the right thing, it's going to come. Now, now, how hard is it to follow our rules and regulations? Sober, they're not hard at all. You know what I mean? Simple. Most of the <laughs> Sober, they're easy, right? Yeah, like, yeah. now, like, if I was still in active addiction, I wouldn't follow none of them. But as simple as making my bed, you know, doing chores, you know, that's not stuff I really ever really did. You know, but all that stuff's simple. Not wearing a hat in the building. You know what I mean? A lot of the rules are common sense, really. Suiting up, showing up. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Act right, shoot up, show up. Clean, cook. Wash your own dish, you know. You got to do do manly things, man. Manly right. woman things, man, in life, man, around. So what was the intake process like when y'all both got here? Were you fearful, scared, excited? I was excited. Yeah. So it went good, the intake? You liked everything yes. about it? Yes. They explained everything to you pretty good when you got here? Absolutely. Yes. It helps to be. I think it does help a lot to be that y'all come through our program so you already had a feel for how to navigate some of this stuff. Well, I think what helped is already having relationships with cricket, you know, meeting you. The intake process for me was uh, the only thing, you know, I, I got done with my incarceration. I could have stayed home. I didn't have to come here, but I made the choice to come here and I had my daughter and her boyfriend bring me down, you know, like just getting back with my daughter and being around her for those two How days. How old your daughter? She's 19. Oh, that must have been nice to spend that time it with was, her riding down but, here. But it was the difficulty in, in watching her have to leave. And seeing the hurt in her, you know what I mean, having to you know leave me here, you know what I mean, that was real difficult. I struggled with that a few days, you know, wondering if I had made the right choice, you know, but I know that if I don't do this and don't come down here and work, finish working on me and continue to work on me, that I'm not going to be present in her life anyway. There you go. And that, that you know, that's, that's why I am here. Yeah. Is I want to be present in her life, my son's life, my granddaughter's life, my mom, my sister, you know what I mean? And that's, that's one of the rewards of recovery is I have been present in their life. You know, they're, right. they're calling me asking you know, to talk to me when they're having problems. Like I would have never been present enough in their life to even answer the phone. I would, you know what I mean? Now look at you yeah. full of conscience yeah. and awareness. <laughs> Absolutely. And, yeah. Lindsay, it's amazing recovery and the people they can bring back in your life. And almost, we almost checked in you on you when we were up in Maine last week, but we were on a pretty <laughs> tight schedule there. And I see Brian, Brian, I hope you painting away, painting like the wind, my brother. You know, I hope you just ain't kicking back, you know, take the rest of the day off. Y'all know Brian? I think, I don't know if I do or not. He's a hell of an alumni. One of the best painters we ever had come through here, man. He painted the alumni room. Did a great job. You can keep that paint. Uh, well, you know, you, you you do it for the money, I think, you know. If you're I'll good at it, you can make good money. Yeah, I'm not good at it. I was a painter before I started mixing. Uh, yep, I know. I'm, I'm sitting every other day. I'm wondering why did I just keep painting, man? Mind my own <laughs> business, man. Because is is the program designed to help the guys find permanent employment and housing 
where do you guys see yourself short term in the next year, long term in the next five years? Great question, Michelle. But I, I can answer the first part. You know, we our design is simply encourage people to stop using drugs, lose that desire to use drugs, and find a new way to live. And if part of that finding a new way to live is to take the initiative to raise yourself above the lifestyle we come from. And most of us ended up in dereliction and 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 parasite mode. You know, we weren't really a big contributor to our community or society. And and it's not hard to get a permanent job around here once you no. get your head right. And it's not hard to, you know, move out of sober living. And like the guys, a lot of times, two or three of them will get together and rent a house. And next thing you know, they, they move in with a girlfriend. And I get an invitation to their wedding. And <laughs> yeah. then, then I get get to see them have babies. And, you know, I'm even going to kids' graduations from college now when I knew when their parents met in recovery. So, Absolutely. But I'll let these guys answer the question about where, where do you, where do you guys see yourself? You know, well, short term you're here, but where do you see yourself, you know, the next few years? Short term, my short term goals, like I said, like speaking of permanent employment, like I've been offered employment here, but that employment is not going to help me get towards my goals, which is, like I said, the peer recovery specialist, getting my 500 hours for that certification, taking the test. It's a short term. I'm looking to stay here learn to facilitate better, learning to pe- pass the message of hope better, you know, and gain more knowledge so that I can better help people. You know, my long-term goal is to take that peer recovery specialist job and eventually get back into the jails and help people like me. So you're a hope dealer, Absolutely. hope dealer in training, that's, man. That's my goal. You, you know, are a recovery warrior. Right now you're just at private first class level. I take that. <laughs> you know, know what I mean? And, but that's my goal. I want to yeah. go back in and help people like me that have been through the same stuff or, you know, similar stuff. Fabulous goal. Fabulous goal. Uh, James, where you, I mean, uh, Kenyatta, where you see yourself five years? Don't say eating lunch with me. You, although that'd be cool. You already know we're going <laughs> to eat lunch together all the time. Yeah. Uh, my short-term goal will get the peer recovery. And- you didn't mention that earlier. Yeah. I asked about it. You kind of ducked the question. Oh, that's what I'm here for, to get the peer recovery. And, uh, so you want to be a specialist, peer recovery specialist? Yeah. I was telling you that'd be a great job for you, and you were stuttering. I got you, man. You, you were trying to think if that was going to be hard work or not. You didn't want to answer the question, <laughs> no, man. I got it. I got it. I got it. He'd be a great hope dealer. Yeah. And uh, you'd be like Moses. You oh know, man. You'd be just like him. That's my man, Moses. He'll go. Well, you know, how do you feel about that? What do you think you should do? Well, that's a lot of pressure to put on somebody, right there. It is, man. Well, Moses started somewhere. Yeah, absolutely. Yes, Lindsay, we wish we could have seen you too. No question about it. See, Mike Murphy, stay the course. Guys, you're in a great place to build a strong foundation. Absolutely. Yes, the best foundation. I mean, these guys are killing it, to be honest with you, man. I mean, I'm amazed. I come in here day in and day out. There you guys all smiling, working towards your goal, staying out of trouble. Mm -hmm. We got 130, you know, participants in our housing and, I don't, and I get a lot of emails and texts on how everybody's doing, but I don't remember your names popping up. So that means we're not doing nothing bad, right? That's exactly right, man. Yeah, like my goal, like I said, is stay around the church, be a service, go out and help, do whatever I can do. That's the biggest fear I have actually about taking this peer recovery specialist job. Is I'm used to being outside, doing labor, working. I'm not, you know, being inside is kind of the scary part of it for me. 
It can be. You're an army soldier. You like you like sleeping out in the woods. Absolutely. <laughs> mm. So our facility, we got a nice facility here, right? Absolutely. It's three stories, fifteen thousand square feet. We got twenty-eight peer staff, some part-time, many full-time. We got a lot of game here. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So we're thinking about all the staff you've met here and all the different departments we have. And when they don't get excited when the audience hears me say departments like like let's start with Dixie. She she does medication uh, verification and urine 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 mm -hmm. you know drug testing and whatnot. How, how's Dixie? Dixie's great. You know you're talking about urine screens. That's one of the things I like. Which I like that I don't have to study for them these days. Right. You, you don't know, have to study for a urine screen. You know what I mean? But I kind of like that accountability because you know I mean I know what I'm doing. I know I'm doing the right thing. But it also keeps you know the accountability for the other people. So you think it's a fair and smooth operation? I do. Yeah, yes. yeah. I like that they they monitor all the meds, you know, because especially incarcerated, you see that stuff even abused. So that you know, what I mean, like I said, it holds people accountable, makes sure they're doing the right thing, and that keeps me safe. You know what I mean? If so, everybody. So Kenyatta, what do you think of Dixie? Oh, wonderful lady, sweet young lady, yes, absolutely yes. good gold. Yes. Now let's move down the hallway to Nathan. Y'all know Nathan, yep. right? Yes. Nathan's our community outreach director, and he does a lot of work. They're out front now putting up our marker project. 100-degree yeah. uh, temperature out there, and they're out there working like dogs, mm -hmm. sweat, putting that display up. I noticed you didn't, you weren't out there long. I put up the signs this morning. That was quick and easy. No, it wasn't. Yeah. Oh, really? No. I popped the sign up myself in like 10 minutes. No, not doing what I want. <laughs> well, I got experience, more experience, I guess. No. But you like Nathan's? Yes. Great staff. Mm -hmm. Wonderful guy. Nathan's always full of energy. Yeah, he's an energizer bunny. Yeah, he is. Yes. You know what I mean? Positive. Very positive That's individual. Like so now you come across the hall and we got Justin over here. He's the man behind the curtain running yeah. the podcast. What do y'all think of Justin? Awesome, man. Yeah, I like Justin. Great tattoo he's got. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he got some of the best tattoos I've ever seen, man. Mm -hmm. And then you go downstairs and uh, – who we got? We got Jillian's office down the end. She runs our female. Yep. Most of yes. guys like to get close to Jillian, get on the inside track of the females program. Mm -hmm. You know, I like about Jillian the most is when I was thinking about going home after my 28 days, I felt like she was one of the ones that really uh, listened to me and what, what I was thinking. And then, you know, I mean, her, I didn't feel like she gave me a bias. Like uh, she didn't have a, uh, motive behind her answer you know i asked a lot of people and some people i felt like they're but maybe that was just my thinking you know and then i actually helped jillian yesterday clean out the chicken coop oh good we got chickens out there yeah a couple houses we got chicken yeah. don't we but how you like jillian can you oh miss julian she she uh runs a tight ship yes she does boy she don't play does she? no sir you mess not with her hands you in trouble not getting up to use the bathroom on her no, don't do it. Don't hurt Clay. Then, then we got honesty next to her. Y'all know honesty, right? Yes. What do y'all think of honesty? I love honesty's story. Like, I have actually not talked to honesty much since being here. She's pretty busy, but I did meet honesty. And that's our CEO for those of you who don't yeah. know honesty. I, but I did meet honesty at RSW and heard her story. And then I've also heard her story here at one of the NA meetings. I think a lot of honesty. So she drove up to RSW, told a story one day. Yeah. Uh, that, that's a uh, two and a half hour drive, by the way, for the viewers. You know, that mm -hmm. program up there is 100 miles away. It takes two and a half hours to drive there. And we're up there five days a week, you know, when it wasn't COVID. Mm -hmm. yes. 
So what do you think of honesty there? Oh, wonderful lady, man. Great lady, great story. She gave me the hope shot, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. She's a hope dealer When I started at at RSW, man. Then we got, you moved down the hall, we got our bookkeeper, Melanie. Keep in mind, all these people come through McShen. You know, they all came through housing and sober living and program, Mm -hmm. and now look at them. Mm -hmm. So you don't know Melanie that good. I've met Melanie at Chesterfield another day. I was out there working, you know, caught a snake. So I caught a snake. I did. You let it go? Yeah, I took it out in the field and let it go. Yeah, what was it? Just a black snake. Yeah, there you go. How big was it? Around like two feet. I was going to bring it home for Kenyatta, but he got scared. Oh, They're come not on. Really no snake, <laughs> I don't think they last over here. Nah, probably not. So but, you you don't know Melanie, right, Kenyatta? Yes, I've like cleaned her? her office a couple of times, yes. Yeah, she's a nice lady, ain't she? Yes. She and you go across the hallway there to my office. Oh, that's the big dog's The big dog. Right Doors open. Yeah, always open. Never closed. Let's say that. I feel like you guys bonded with me. You like me. Absolutely. Yeah. I, you didn't remember me, I don't think, from the jail, but I, I talked to you a few times in the jail, too. I vaguely remember, but remember, I talked to thousands. Thousands, yeah, I know. Yep. When you did the uh, Hope the Hope video. Uh, yeah, Hope we got a, yeah, for the viewers, we got a one-hour Hope Dealer video, and it, and, it, and it walks everybody through the jail program yeah. and what we do and who does it and the reentry part, and it's on a YouTube. You can just... What's it called? Inside Hope. You can YouTube yeah. that one. Maybe Justin can pull it up and pop it up on the screen there. Said so one of the biggest hope dealers in that video is my, my guy. Huey. Kate, Huey, but one Paul Alger became one of my best friends through that program. Paul? Yeah. You know, Paul. Which, which he, was, he was he uh, was he was an inmate with us. He's currently incarcerated still in, in the state system, but that's where a lot of my hope he, he so you got hope from an inmate in there. Absolutely, while there. Yeah. damn right. That's that's how it works. That's how it did work. And then I, you know, like I said, I made it my purpose to pass that that hope on. Good for you. So we go downstairs. Now this is where it gets good. You know, Joyce, our intake specialist. Wonderful lady. Yeah. Full energy. Another one, full of energy. Always positive. Always looking to help people get in McShane. She just helped me this morning, man. Oh boy, that how we got your cousin. <laughs> <laughs> Then you go down the hallway. Oh, you got you got Mo, Big Mo. Oh man, awesome guy. Man. You love Mo. I like Mo awesome, too. Awesome. He's always there to help you. Yep, that's his job. Never turn your back on you. But if you do something wrong, <laughs> he's a disciplinarian. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he will discipline you, won't he? Yeah. And then you get down to Jesse's office. I like Jesse. You know, Jesse's. I had. Some things happen, you know what I mean? I took some things the wrong way, but Jesse's easy to talk to. His door's open. You know, he, I mean? he is and, a wordsmith, isn't he? Yeah, you know what I mean? We were able to work it out, you know what I mean? It made me feel more comfortable. And he knows I've talked to him about what my goals are, and he's all about that and helped me try to get there. And I, I appreciate that. That's good, good. Peer coaching at its fine. What about you there? That's my boss. He's your I boss had, now. Yeah, yeah you better I, talk about him. Them, I had to ask the boss to go with the boss. But you learn it, man. See, Jesse's just like that, too, man. <laughs> yeah, he, he does like control, doesn't he? Yes. Then, then you cross the hallway to Matthew, our data expert. Oh, I like Matt, man, too. He's smart. Man. He's smart and he's sweet, isn't he? Yes. Yeah. Matt's been a big help to me. He helped me get connected with Miss Krista, the counselor I was seeing while at RSW. He helps me every week get on that. He helped find me some this little work working for one of the board board members. Well, there you go. Grandma, which, which one? Her name is Elaine. I can't remember what her son her son her grandson had Matt's job before he did. Uh, Michael or Dusty or something. Oh, Dusty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Michael Quinn. 
old Dusty. So I've been mm-hmm. working with his his grandmother for the last week and a half. Yeah, she's sweet as can be. Sweet lady. She? Yep. Yeah, anybody out there local, you need some help, just you know, call us up down here. Sometimes we can get you some day help, week help. But yeah. They're, they're they're very inexpensive. But minimum wage <laughs> minimum wage is going up to like twelve bucks an hour, I think, or eleven in January. So that's another thing Jesse did to help me too. Jesse put me on the weekend staff, which has been helpful. Oh, there you go. We pay for that. Yeah, yeah. board. I mean, yeah, that ain't pay. much, but I mean, it's still it pays my bed fees and everything, and it makes me able to stay here near the church where I can work on my goals. And I there like work, you go. That's good. And I like working with the people that are just coming in as well. So y'all got sponsors and home groups. Huey's actually my sponsor. Huey, absolutely. That old guy. Yeah. How yeah, often you talk to him? I've talked to him. I need to call him this week. I haven't You're called damn him. Damn right. You need yeah. to call him twice a week. Twice call a week. Call him at 4 a.m. in the morning. Make oh, sure he's up. Uh, he's probably up. <laughs> he probably is. He's a worry ward. Yeah. 51 years clean. Yep. He celebrated 51 years clean and sober this year. Huey's a legend. Absolutely. I love <laughs> you. What's your home group? My home group is on Thursday nights with Bob. Bob. Bob D. Great, great home group. Yeah. What about you, Kenyatta? What's your home group? Uh, you better make one up if you ain't got one. I want to say Sunday, Sunday night. You go to that one the most? Yes. You need to join it. Okay. And then when you don't like it, join another one. Okay. Y'all doing any step work? I've actually worked through the steps twice currently, and I, I need to start it again. And uh, I actually have one sponsee. Oh, good for you. And don't ever let your sponsee catch up to your, your step work. Like no. <laughs> so what about you, Kenyatta? Uh... Bob is my sponsor. He is not. Yes, he if is. If I text him right now, he'll tell me he's your sponsor. Hey, which one? I got him uh, on the phone. You, I text you, him every day. You doing step work? Not yet. Why we, not? We get we getting into that now. Yo, Bob, I said you need to get busy. Okay. See, back in the day in '82, when I got clean, we worked steps. I did one a month, my first five months. We weren't playing back then. We didn't have the luxury of spending a year per step. You know, that just mm. wasn't an option back then. Because I was young and, you know, I was enthusiastic. I wanted to I wanted to get through them. I didn't want to do this stuff again. Yeah. I only wanted to be a newcomer one time. But you got you to keep doing it. You, you, you do. You, you live them. You work one through yeah. five. You live six through 12. You know, you really live 10, 11, and 12. That's that's the, the best part about life right now. I do work the tip step every night. That's me. good. That's a good hit. Do your little inventory. And when yeah. you're wrong, you admit it. If yes. you need to make amends, you take care of it. I find that you work the steps constantly through your day. If you that pretty much you, you really do. Like, I mean, on a daily basis, there's something I have to surrender to. There's something I, you know, what I mean, find myself powerless over, you know, with my higher power. Like, I mean, I'm constantly in contact with my higher power, you know, but I've really find that there, some, sometimes during the day, I can find myself working any step. You know, I, all day long, like a lot of time, like just this morning, I'm waking up and, you know, my wife was fixing the dog food. And, you know, we got a little method we use and she mm-hmm. wasn't doing it how I did it. And then I got my panties in a bunch and <laughs> she, she could see that I was acting inappropriate. And I went out back, read the paper, come back in. I said, look, man, I'm sorry I didn't understand the way you were fixing the dog food. You know what I mean? <laughs> Direct amends. Yeah, told her I love her, and we moved on. I don't have to worry about coming home to an irritated wife, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> step 10 is my number one most work step. You know, I'm wrong a lot, and I promptly admit it for the most part. I would say that you work the 12 step pretty constantly, too. Oh, Share, totally. I'm a hope dealer. hope dealer all day. I'm a walking, talking hope dealer. I know Absolutely. it. 
I just hope always got a good hope shot, you know. You got to be willing, man. That's my. That's true. That's, that's my you, best one, man. Willingness, honesty, open mindedness, and willingness. And you willing how? Be willing, man. Well, you guys, you know, you guys both are honestly know you got a problem. You're open minded to what we suggested around here, and, and you're willing because you're actually doing it. You know, you're demonstrating willingness. You guys are willingness in action, yes. and that's an important characteristic of recovery. Having you, to get out of my own way. And got takes, to take suggestions from other people. We're our worst enemies. My first 15 thoughts are wrong. At least. Yeah, yeah maybe. Well, man, I tell you what, I couldn't be more proud of you guys or I cricket or that. that program up there and Diane and RSW and Samson helping fund that project. Cause this is your byproduct of, you know, it took years to get that kind of grant to do that kind of program. And I appreciate it. And you. I know we've helped hundreds of people. I know yes, we have. Absolutely. You know, a lot of people don't realize when you first get introduced to recovery, most folks, you know, number one, only 3% of the people stay clean and sober the rest of their life, which means a lot of people relapse, which is just part of the, the process. However, if you can stay engaged in your recovery, they say over like a 10-year period, maybe three treatment center stays, you might get a year clean. Mm -hmm. But if you can make it to the five-year mark, Boom, you got 85% chance of doing well. You guys are halfway to the five-year mark or close yeah. to it. You know, you, you stick around five years, you got 85% chance of doing well the rest of your life. That's I like that. Look at old Chris up there. He's out in uh, Idaho. Idaho. Chris from Idaho. How you been, buddy? Good to see you up on our podcast today. He, he's a warrior out in that community. He does what we do. Another thing I like about the program at the jail, even the ones that don't get to come here or, or don't come here, there's still a seed planted that hopefully at some point is going to grow. A lot of folks who come here that, you know, they come off the streets, they look around and they <laughs> last a week or two and you'll see them, you know, six months later and then you'll last 30 days. Then you'll see them six months later and they might get 90 days. And, you know, as long as they live, they got a chance. As long as you're alive, you got a chance for recovery. That's mm. important to stay above the, the ground level. I agree with that. Y'all know a lot of people passed away from this disease. Yes. A ton of people. Yeah. I just I just recently had a cousin pass away right before I got out of incarceration from from addiction. And but I still know quite a few others over the course of the years. Oh my god. Well, you know, when you run an organization like this and you know, over seventeen years we've had over five thousand people come through here and you know there's about an eight percent death rate in addiction anyway. I mean that's a lot of people we ain't gonna see no more. Yeah. You know, a lot of broken families out there. And, you know, it's so sad on one hand because it's like, good Lord, don't you know how simple recovery is? It's just, it you know, the, the drug, one one thing, addiction drug, takes everything from us. Mm -hmm. In order to get, have access to everything, all we got to do is give up that one thing. You know, yeah. I mean, how simple can that be? And it just amazes me that people want to test the waters over and over and over. The process is actually really easy. You know what I mean? Working this process is easy. Focus. Take, that's, I mean, like gotta I, stay focused. Honesty, your mind, and willingness is probably the key to that. But all right, listen, uh, listen up. We're coming to the end of our hour, close to it. I want to make sure we talk to those guys and girls still locked up. Yes. You know, my message for them is: Look, you're in a tough spot. Nobody likes being incarcerated. Well, most people don't. Some folks they do like it, but most don't. It, it ain't easy being incarcerated, but if you do seek recovery and while you're incarcerated, you can probably find 
some resemblance of it. You know, I'm sure you got a library. You might get your hands on an AA book, an NA book, a Bible or something. There's got to be like-minded people in, near, or around you. Find those people and try to, you know, kick up your own little recovery group while you're locked up. And then, then a lot of facilities, they do offer some type of programming or meeting. A lot of them do offer some type of reentry service. You know, just just follow the the process and listen to people. And and you know right from wrong. Like like in Virginia, a lot of these reentry houses from prison are horrible. They, they you know, you walk through the door and they got drugs right there. You know, yeah. that don't mean you got to do them. I've been facing, you know, I got cleaned in the Marine Corps. They, there was drugs all around me every single day. But when I let those people know I was serious, don't put that in front of me. They left me alone. You know, you don't start no trouble. There won't be no trouble. You know, you know what I'm saying? Absolutely. This is the first time incarcerated that I didn't do that stuff. You know, I would tell my family on the phone that I was doing everything. I was trying to get better and all this stuff while still getting high while incarcerated. There was definitely a lot of opportunities to get high while incarcerated this time and did not. You were talking about starting recovery groups. You know, there's, uh, that's one of the things I kind of miss. I do still miss about the jail, man. Like there's a guy, Drake, Joey, Ty, the guys that we yeah. were in a pod with, yeah. you know, I mean, we, we did meetings every day. Those guys are still doing that now with cricket and them and back in the jail. You know, I'm proud of the progress that you know, people have made while incarcerated, including myself. Yeah. Right. What about you, Kenyatta? Can you oh, man. You got to find a why, man. You got to find your why. Why you want to be clean. Why you want to live clean. Why you want to chase the recovery. For me, it's easy. On the inside, the food sucks and the women are fake. Yeah. Now, on the outside, the food's good (laughs) and the women are real. So, I'm a simple guy. I like my freedom. Just make it plain and simple. All I got to do is not touch that one substance and not get access to everything. I'm in. Yeah. Huey told us if we find a why, if we have a why, we'll find a how. That's yeah. right. Well, I will definitely come up before how. Yeah. Where there's a will, there's a way. Yep. You got to find that will, man. You got to open that book, man. The book is the key to this program. Literature is important. Yes. Study your literature. You got to read your literature, man. Yeah, and, it, and the tablets that they have in the jails these days makes it easy to find recovery, too. There's a lot of recovery on those tablets with the big stuff you all put on there. And you can actually gain a lot of knowledge through those tablets. Yes, yeah, you I mean, can. You know what I mean? Like, I wish they'd had that 20 years ago. You know, I mean, just the knowledge. You know, they, you know, they collect data on tablets in, in jails and prisons and the inmates that spend most of their time on the education and the and the community and the recovery components and they can get off of a tablet. There's a less recidivism rate with those people. The ones that watch that wild crap and gang banging crap and crazy stuff, they're the ones that recidivate at a higher rate. So there's a lot of knowledge in those tablets, a lot of uh it improves your chances of making it. Michael Santos was one of my favorite uh, programs on the tap. Michael Santos? Yes. This guy did 25 years incarcerated for drugs in the feds and started a, it's called the Straight A Guide. Yeah. Now look at him. And that's your favorite. He's a hope dealer. Yeah. yeah. You guys are hope dealers. Yes. Absolutely. Find your hope shot. Let's get that out there. Yeah. Spread well, it every day. Yeah. Well, gang, we're we're about out of time for the day. I'm glad everybody tuned in. I hope you got a lot out this show. I know we sure did. Uh we, we're here every day, right, Justin? Tuesday, Wednesday, Tuesday, Thursday. Wednesday, Thursday. And I know on uh the seventeenth Friday night we're gonna have a care talk that'll be promoted on this channel. Uh the topic that night's gonna be well, what does recovery month mean to you? September is National Recovery Month. 
and we're going to have eight wonderful short speakers from all over the country talking about what recovery month means to them. Um, and for those of you who don't know, every year, September is National Recovery Month. So all across America, people celebrate recovery. Got a ton of events people can go to. You can Google it and find events to go to in your area. And, uh, you know, don't, don't dismiss Recovery Month. It's a great month. And, and a lot of people that participate in the Recovery Month activities, that increases your chances of recovering. So there's actually uh, recovery value in Recovery Month and the uh, people who attend it. So until next time, uh, Justin, great job today. Thank and you we, all for having we, me. we will see you all next time. Bye, ladies. Hi, everyone. I'm Honesty Liller. I am the CEO of the McShen Foundation and a woman in long-term recovery. Since May 27, 2007, I have not used drugs or alcohol. Woo-woo! Thank you so, so much to the Richmond Times Dispatch and all of our voters for getting the Herd podcast. Those podcasts are amazing. Not only has it helped thousands upon thousands of people in their recovery, as well as family members, but it has helped me in my personal recovery. I get to listen to them now in my car through Spotify and iHeartRadio. And it's just really, really important for us to be innovative in the addiction field and the recovery community. So when COVID hit, we had to be innovative. You know, we really had to think of like, what can we do to reach people that cannot go to 12-step meetings? smart recovery, faith-based, whatever, um, that we're shutting down constantly. So we were innovative here at McShen. Let's start podcast. So with Todd, John, Alex, um, and some other staff, you know, we all just kind of jumped in who can do what. And um, with Todd's lead and John's lead, the podcasts have been amazing and we're still doing them today. So I want to thank you for all of your votes and all of your energy and all of your support of our mission of healing families and saving lives. Thanks.